On WFAN, it's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to the very first edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. I'm Craig Carton and the purpose of this show is to discuss and have an open and very frank conversation about gambling and gambling addiction. This is not to uh, scare you off of gambling. It's not to tell you that gambling is a scourge of society. I don't believe that it is. But I do believe that gambling, while enjoyable by the far majority of people as a recreational behavior and a responsible recreational behavior, can also become something very different for a lot of people. I'm one of those people. And the reason we named the show Hello, My Name is Craig is because that's how I introduce myself every week when I go to Gamblers Anonymous meetings. Now, to be clear, this show is not a GA show. Far from it. This is a show, though, to discuss the the aspects of gambling and the signs that you might look for one day uh, in yourself and in a loved one that might have a gambling problem. And uh, I'm thrilled to, to be able to have two guests with me, and they're going to be with me uh, on a, a lot of these shows. And uh, first and foremost, I'd like to introduce everybody to uh, my dear friend, the former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. Chris, thanks so much for being a part of this. Craig, thank you very much. Important show and glad to be a part of it. And then there's Danny Trelaro, who's one of the directors of 800 Gamble in New Jersey. Dan, I appreciate you joining me as well. Yeah, thanks for having us, Craig. Great show. Looking forward to it. Now, Dan, just for background's sake, you've experienced uh, gambling, as I have, from multiple levels. There was a point in your life when... You did it responsibly and enjoyed it, and then uh, as you've shared your story publicly before, you also know what it's like to be an addict, correct? Yeah, uh, gambling is one of those things that just kind of grabs a hold of you, and you don't really see it in yourself until it really starts to become a problem and gets to be too late. So let's start with that. Uh, Just so people understand, percentage-wise and numbers, as millions of more Americans are going to start to gamble, obviously there's going to be a huge uptick in cases of gambling addiction. Uh, Give us an idea of percentage-wise right now, out of every 100 people that decide to gamble on a somewhat regular basis, how many of those people become compulsive gamblers? That's a great question. What we we know from the studies shows that roughly 90 out of every 100 people can do so responsibly. But there's going to be about 10 out of every 100 people that start to experience problems along a continuum, from mild problems, moderate, severe, until full-blown disordered gambling, which impacts anywhere from 1% to 3% of Americans. And what exactly is the definition of compulsive gambling? Sure. Well, in, in, uh, the diagnostic manual actually defines disordered gambling through a criteria using nine different components. So if you're meeting any one of, of the nine components as you go higher along that list, you're going to be mild, moderate, or severe. So it has to do with preoccupation, um, isolation, withdrawal from others continuing despite negative consequences, and you kind of look through those items and say, wow, how many of these are really impacting my life? And the more that you check off, the more you can really see that gambling is becoming a problem. Yeah, it's weird for me, and you know, and Chris, you watched me kind of go down that rabbit hole and a number of times asked me if, uh, if I thought I had a problem. And I, it's weird, I can't pinpoint the exact moment in my life when I went from, hey, I really enjoy this, it's recreational, to, oh, my God, I got a real problem. And I, I'm wondering, Chris, as you as you were there in my life, is there a moment for you when you thought maybe I was going down a bad spot? Yeah, I, I, I do remember. Um, it, it's kind of when it became, for me, when I would be speaking to you, so much of what you wanted to talk about. 
Um, and you know, it, it just, it seemed to me that it was taking up so much more of your time and, and energy. Uh, and, and I certainly started to be concerned about it and, you know, but it's a very difficult thing to talk to anybody about, um, whether it's a loved one, a friend, um, a family member. Um, but it became even harder in dealing with somebody like you, um, who is charismatic and um, open and aggressive. And so, you know, you blew it off just so quickly that, like, no, you know, and you would tell me. The other thing that also, you know, made me think there might be something going on is all you kept telling me was about how much money you were winning. And I never heard about when you lost. Right. And so the combination of all those things made it, made it uh, worrisome to me. So, Dan, let, let's use that as a good uh, jumping-off point here. Yeah. You know, I was in denial, I think, about it myself. But if anybody ever asked me about it, as Chris did a number of times and other loved ones did, I was very quick to dismiss the question. And I, I justified it in my own mind by saying, they just don't get it. You know, they don't understand how good I am at blackjack and how uh, you know, it affords me to, you know, to buy certain things or do certain things. So if you're someone listening to the show and you think you recognize that in a loved one, what are you supposed to do? How do you address it in a manner that doesn't make that person you know, blow you off or turn his back on you or be unwilling to discuss it? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And that's, that's kind of a linchpin to anyone dealing with any type of addiction. You know, what makes gambling so tricky is that it's not a substance that we're putting in our body. So, you know, for Chris to see it in you, it's because your behaviors and some of the language you're using really made him concerned. But we're not putting a needle in our arm. You know, we don't, put, we don't have track marks. If you give a urine sample to a gambler, they're not going to positive urine test with dice coming out. So it makes it really tricky to approach someone. And you have to do it really from the standpoint of, hey, I'm concerned about X, Y, and Z. I'm concerned about you. Are you doing okay? You want to just kind of have a conversation. Because what makes gambling so tricky is really three things. Is that the gambler doesn't know how often they're going to win how much they're going to win or when it's going to occur again, but they know it's going to happen. But it's that intermittent reinforcement that every so often you actually do win. I know every so often when I was winning, it would erase all those memories. And I didn't think I had a problem because I just won. But I wouldn't talk about all those times that I lost also. So I can really identify with that. And it makes it tricky to talk to someone when they're winning every so often. They don't see it as a problem. So it's really about kind of identifying that, hey, there's something in your behavior, you know, like you love the person, but you just don't love their behavior. So there's something going on that makes me concerned about you. And just bringing it up and having a conversation sometimes can be the starting point that really makes a difference. Yeah, for me, I think it maybe try to hide it more. You know, and I went through a, a period back in 2016 where I, I happened to have won a lot. And I look back at sometimes on those moments and of course, listen, you always want to win, but I wonder if I had lost early on, you know, significant sums of money, would I have continued to want to do it, recognizing that you just can't, you can't sustain, you know, certain types of losses. And I think winning for me was the worst thing ultimately that happened. Yeah, you know, like Chris said, you know, I would share big wins and I had multi-million dollar wins. And of course I had million dollar losses, but you know, who wants to talk about the losses so much because it's almost like... I don't know, Chris, I don't know if you ever saw this in me, but there's a level of almost being embarrassed by how much money we're talking about. And I felt that way on the wins and the losses. Like, you know, I won $4 million in three days at Resorts World in Bimini, the Bahamas, and I didn't tell a single person. 
And two weeks later, I lost almost $700,000 at a casino in Atlantic City. And again, I didn't tell anybody. And you start living this really solitary life. No question. And, and I think that, you know, uh, you, were, you were reluctant, as I recall it, to give me the exact amounts. And I would push you at times, and then you would give it to me. So I definitely saw that in you. Um, and, and, I, and I also know that what was going on, too, was that it was clearly giving you um, something else for the radio show. I think one of the things that people discounted in, in dealing with you when you were in the, the midst of your worst periods was that you, know, you, you were still much more motivated by your career than you were motivated by the gambling. But you saw the gambling helping to supplement your career. It, it created bits um, on the show that became very popular. And, uh, you know, I think that was another thing that kept you um, being able to mask it. Because when I'd ask you, you go, come on, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit, We're, you know, like, come on, it's the show. Right. And, and then you have a hard time as somebody who's on the outside and who is not with you every day to be able to push back on that. So it's another thing that you definitely saw, that, and, and it was absolutely legitimate. You were using it for the show, um, but it didn't make it okay. Yeah, and I'll tell you, if you go back and watch YouTube videos, and I did this recently, and I didn't recognize it the first time or the second or even the third time I saw certain videos, but if you go back and watch videos of Boomer and Carton from, I'd say, you know, any, any point in the summer of 2017, now I was arrested, you know, September 6th of 2017, but if you go back and look at videos, in the majority of videos, I have a deck of cards in my hand. I had cards in my hand during a show, and I wasn't doing anything with them, but I just had them in my hand almost like a security blanket. And I look back in that now, and I go, God, it's so obvious that I got something bad going on. Um, and I look back, and I go, I, I just wish I had either been strong enough, brave enough, or you know, I'd put my ego aside more to acknowledge when you asked and other people asked and been honest. You know, because part of it for me, and Dan, you can speak to this a little bit better, you know, it is a level of dishonesty. You lie to yourself, and for sure, I lied to the people that cared the most about me. And I think that's most likely germane to all uh, gambling addicts and probably most addicts, regardless of what the substance might be. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, lying is a huge component. You know, we always talk about there's always a, a quick little two-question test that we can kind of ask of ourselves that it's really difficult to do when you're in the throes of addiction. But one of the questions centers around, have you ever lied to someone close to you about your gambling? And because, you know, you can lie about little things all the time. You know, there's these little white lies that go on, and the white lie becomes a bigger lie over time. But when you're lying to people that are close to you about an activity that was once a fun form of entertainment that has now spiraled into a problem in your life, that's a telltale sign. And, you know, something else you mentioned before, Craig, which really I thought about, we hear a lot of people that call our 800 Gambler Helpline that when they call up looking for help, they said they started gambling at an early age and they had a big win early. And those are two big predictors of someone being at higher risk of developing a gambling problem, the age of that you first gambled or you were exposed to it, and also experiencing that big win. You know, a big win can come in many different forms. It doesn't have to be millions of dollars. It could be 50 bucks, Right. But it could even be a big win could be spending time with a loved one because they don't have time for you normally. But a big win for a child could just be spending time with their parents at the casino sure. or at the racetrack or on a trip down there. So big win comes in many forms, but that is a, something to consider.
Well, I'll tell everyone uh, the story of my first big win that set me down uh, that path in a second. You're listening to Hello, my name is Craig. Craig Carton on Sports Radio 66, 1019 FM, The Fan. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800 Gambler. All right, welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton along with uh, Dan Trelaro of 800gambler.org and former Governor uh, Chris Christie, of course, of the state of New Jersey. Chris, towards the end of your run as governor, you made a very, uh, very big deal about opioid addiction as a platform that was very important to you and made some significant strides, not just in New Jersey, but nationwide, calling attention to the problem of opioid addiction. Now, I'm not going to compare the two. You know, we're talking about gambling here. But you're also, as former governor, have you've dealt with the New Jersey Casino Commission and your casino operators and fought very hard to have sports wagering legalized in New Jersey. And I was interesting... Interested to know from you, why was it so important to you to make sure that anybody who has a casino license in New Jersey also has to dedicate a percentage of their revenue to responsible gambling? Well, Craig, because we know that with everything you do in government, there are um, intended uh, results and unintended consequences. And so whether it's, you know, the state putting forward uh, horse racing tracks or the casino gambling in Atlantic City, or online gaming uh, of both table games and of and of now sports gambling, um, that there are going to be unintended consequences as well. And those who are participating in that industry, who benefit from the good things that happen, also have to help to contribute um, to helping those who are collateral consequences of the activity. And so, as as uh, we were talking about earlier, you know, ninety out of a hundred people can can gamble and gamble responsibly, but um, we still need and have a responsibility um, to help those people who can't and who wind up getting caught up in it. And that can't just be the responsibility of the government or the taxpayer or of the individual. It's also got to be the responsibility of those who are are benefiting and profiting um, from the activity. And so that's why it was so important. It seems to me to be a basic tenet of the way you try to operate government. Yeah, you know, I said during my trial, Dan, that 1-800-GAMBLER as a tagline to a, a commercial, and the quote I gave to uh, the judge in my case was, it's woefully inadequate, mm. in that I, as the gambler, would have never picked up the phone and made that call. I think my loved ones probably did and would have. And when I said it's inadequate, I didn't mean that the services, obviously, you guys offer are inadequate, but we're not getting the message out enough so that as more and more people begin to gamble and they start recognizing that they may have a problem or a loved one has a problem, that they know what to do to try to, you know, put up a roadblock before they go down, you know, bad roads like I've gone down. And I wonder for you guys, what's the biggest frustration for you as a director of 800gambler.org in making sure that people know that you exist and know that your, your offerings exist? Yeah, that's a great question because we – and we're thankful for the, for the legislation that requires – whether it was the internet gambling licensing in 2013 or the sports betting in 2018 where funds were supposed to be directed to us. You know, so we're thankful for that opportunity to fund our nonprofit and continue to offer our services. 
but I think we've kind of started moving and shifting from not just what can we do, but what more can we do? We have more operators in this state of New Jersey, and New Jersey is looked at as a pioneer in the field of gambling, in part thanks to the great work that Governor Christie uh, did for us in getting the sports betting to our state. But, but there needs to be more done. We, we have a lot of people coming into the state to do business and are generating a lot of revenue, whether it's handle, revenue, whatever it is. But there's still that percentage of people that are falling by the wayside, not to mention the family members, Craig. And you know this, and I know this, the family members are often impacted. So it's hard to combat the marketing budgets of the larger entities on a small budget. So that's why we always fight really hard to promote our services for the problem gambler and the loved ones, um, you know, whether it's social media, whether it's radio, programs like this, we're very thankful for. So this hopefully will be a step in the right direction as well. No, I appreciate it. You know, I, I teased going into the break that I would tell you when uh, you know the, the bet I wish I had lost, and it's well documented now, guys. And it was uh, the fact that you know my partner at the time offered me ten thousand dollars to gamble because I quite cockily said, if you give me ten grand, I guarantee I'll give you $25,000 back. And as Chris, you mentioned, it was a radio bit. And it went on for a number of weeks, and ultimately the day came. We're in an Atlantic City casino, and you know, people want to know if I'm going to do it or not. And I get handed ten grand in cash, and bang, we go down to the casino and have dinner, and I go gamble all night long, and I won about 85000 bucks that night. And the next day on the show, with great hoopla and, and uh, pomp and circumstance and all that stuff, I present him with twenty-five grand, and you know, which is an unthinkable thing to do. It defies all logic from a gambling standpoint. And all of a sudden, because of that, you know, my ego kicked on for sure. But I also had other people of wealth start offering me significant sums of money, and it played into you know the disease and addiction of gambling. Here I went from a guy that you know, if I bet five hundred bucks on a hand, that was a lot, and it is a lot, and now. I'm betting $30,000 every time the dealer takes cards out of the shoe. And I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. It just seemed I have access to it. People are giving me the money to gamble with. I owe them the money back, you know, plus a return. And it very quickly went from 10 grand to 100 grand to half a million to literally, as documented in uh, the HBO documentary, you know, Wild Card about my life. I walked into a casino with a million dollars in cash to go play blackjack, and it wasn't abnormal. Isn't it crazy how we lose the value of a dollar? Yeah. Like, it, like my mortgage is on the table, and I didn't care. I just wanted to play more and more and more. And to me, it wasn't about winning or losing anymore because I didn't care. I didn't celebrate the wins. I didn't take a baseball bat to a tree if I lost. I wanted to play more and more and more, and the more distracted I could become by playing, the more isolated I could be by playing, the better I felt. And looking back on it, it is so obvious now, but I'm also two and a half years, quote-unquote, sober. So I have the benefit of being able to look back on it now. And for Chris, I, had, I we've never had this conversation, but I'd, I, want to, I have to apologize. You know, you cared enough to bring it up to me. And it must have been so frustrating for you to recognize there's something going on with my buddy and he's not willing to accept my questioning or be open and honest with me. And the fact that you know, you're still here as a friend is a testament to you. So thank you. Well, you're welcome and your apologies accepted. But I, I will tell you, it wasn't frustration, Craig. It was fear. Mm. It was fear. Um, because, 
you know, the way I looked at you and, and still do, um, is an enormously talented, successful person. And I saw how well your life was going, you know, beautiful wife, four incredible children, and a, an, an amazing career, a career that I had watched grow, which is how we got to know each other from a, from a nice radio station in New Jersey to the biggest sports radio station in the country and being number one on that biggest sports radio station in the country. So what I, I wasn't frustrated. I was scared. I thought, you know, this guy, if, if I'm right, and this guy can throw all this away. And, and that's what really concerned me the most as your friend was the ramifications of your conduct if you didn't get it under control. And we saw that play itself out starting on September 6th of 2017. And so, you know, I think everybody listening to this program who has a friend or a loved one, um, the only thing that I wish I would have done differently um, was just asked you even more. And put up with the with the you know blowback I would probably get from you, but I would have I would have asked even more, and and it was never a frustration for me. It was always a fear for my friend that I didn't want him to go to a really dark place, which would take away a lot of the wonderful things he had in his life. Well, sadly, I probably would have lied to you and continued to lie to you in the moment. And when I look back on it. You know, it's not easy to get to where I ultimately got to, you know, in the mornings here at WFAN. And the fact that I was not only willing to but did throw it all away, you know, speaks to uh, what this addiction is and how powerful a hold it does have on us. Chris, I'll let you go now. I know you got other things you got to do. Appreciate your uh, participation. And for those of you that care to know, Chris will be a part of a, a lot, if not all these shows, moving forward uh, and share some stories as well about his time as governor and the steps we can all take, you know, to save a loved one from, you know, maybe going down uh, this terrible, we keep calling it a rabbit hole. It's probably the right term for it. Um, and I'll continue to talk here with Dan more about the you know, stats and numbers for it, but I appreciate you being a part of the first ever edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Thank you. Well, Craig, I'm happy to be on the show, and I, and I will tell you this. Any, any one of these shows, um, anytime you want me, I will be a participant because it just matters too much for you to be able to reach out to folks and have them learn from your experience and have us get great people on here to talk about it as well. And the folks at One Hand Your Gambler, um, all of them, um, are are doing an incredible service uh, for for the people um, uh, of this country who have this problem and 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 particularly in New Jersey they've done great work and I was proud to work with them when I was governor. And to that end, I will say throughout the course of the next number of months, we will have a lot of gambling addicts on this show to share their stories so people hear firsthand on a very personal level the depths people went to to make their next wager. I be well, Chris. Thank you, pal. Thank you, guys. Uh, you got uh, Dan, let me uh, wrap up today's show with you uh, just talking about the services you offer. If somebody calls 1-800-GAMBLER in the state of New Jersey and one of your folks answers the phone, what type of services do they offer? What type of connection will people get? Is it a one-and-done deal like they call and someone, do you transfer them somewhere? Give me a, Walk me through the experience of calling your phone number. Sure. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, when someone calls 800-GAMBLER, we're, we're a referral service or a referral helpline available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And those phones are answered by folks here in New Jersey. And then after hours, we have a call center that we partner with to handle those calls. And we field calls from not just New Jersey, from all around the country, various states. And when someone calls in, they're going to be greeted. Uh, the phone is going to be answered by a live person who's going to take the time and show compassion and ask them some really honest questions 
and everything is confidential. And we're going to ask about a person's gambling. We're going to try to get a little bit of demographic information. Again, everything's confidential. We are not Gamblers Anonymous, although what we will do is oftentimes refer people to a local GA meeting in their area. We'll refer people to individual clinicians or counselors that maybe if they want to talk to somebody one-on-one. At 800Gambler, we have a network of treatment providers that provide those services in the state of New Jersey. And if someone calls from out of state, we're going to refer that caller to that state's local resource center, whether it's for problem gambling services or mental health services. So we're really trying to identify and connect people with the services that will serve them best. But we are a referral helpline, so oftentimes it is a one-and-done, although we do have people call us back and say, hey, thank you so much for being there. It made a big difference. And I want to be clear, this is not a responsible gambling show. This is a show to have a frank and honest conversation about gambling. And those of you that are either in GA or have a loved one that does go to GA, I want to be very specific. The GA beliefs are abstinence and abstinence only. And I want to be very clear about that. Uh, And there's no such thing as responsible gambling for somebody that goes to GA and believes in GA and has been saved by a GA room. And I'm very respectful of that. And I do go to GA Uh, And that's why this is not a responsible gambling show. This is a show to discuss gambling, the addiction of gambling, the signs of the addiction. And hopefully we'll get even just one person to pick up the phone and call you guys or any other resource that might be out there. And I'm, uh, I'm glad that we're able to start it. Uh, major thanks to Entercom and WFAN for allowing us to do this show. It'll come to you live every single Saturday morning at 9.30, and then you can get it on demand via the WFAN website or radio.com as a podcast. Danny, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to a lot of great moments going forward and meeting a lot of your experts and talking to a lot of people who have a very passionate, emotional stories to share with us. And I can't thank you enough for being a part of Hello, My Name is Craig. You have yourself a good weekend, and we'll talk to you again next Saturday. That sounds great, Craig. Thanks. Have a great weekend. All right. There you go, everyone. Thank you for allowing us into your homes. It's every Saturday morning at 930, then again, on the podcast right here on WFN. Hello, my name is Craig. Thank you.